0: Okay, you're all good? Let's do it. Hello and welcome to the B2C Lead Generation Podcast. You're listening to the B2C Lead Gen Podcast. My name is Daniel Hopewell here with Simon Delaney and this is episode 67, 10 Ways to Level Up Your Lead Buying. This needs a little description or explanation. The title is pretty clear. We're gonna set out 10 things to focus on when you're buying leads. You do all these 10 things, you will improve performance. Pretty simple. Um, Simon, you did a LinkedIn post a couple of days ago about this. You've set out nine ways. We'll explain why there's 10 as was we go. To, It
1: was today, actually. It would be, it would be a today. couple of days by time people listen to this podcast.
0: A couple of yeah so that yeah a couple of days ago now and we're gonna listen to it um you did nine ways we've got a tenth which we will we'll refer to at the end um but obviously LinkedIn uh kind of you know this limited time carriage you can is a condensed version of each of these ten points. So what we said was let's do more, let's go into depth a little bit on all of them and talk through them all. Um so I'm gonna read them through I'm gonna intro what these points are and we're gonna talk through it and see you know we can kind of clarify those things a little bit. Um, 10 ways to level up your lead buying. due diligence. What do we mean? How do we do it?
1: So due diligence is exactly as it sounds, um, digging into the person's company, how they're going to generate leads, the landing pages that they've got, do they use a third party, um, absolutely everything that goes into it. So to give you an example, um, when I bought a lot of leads in the past, as you know, Um, I reckon over a billion, I would say. I I wouldn't be surprised. I can't put a number on it, but it is a lot. Um, We used to to fire out due diligence questionnaires, right? We basically wouldn't work with anybody who didn't fill it in. So straight off the bat, we'd get like legal name of the organization, registration number, all the details, you know, um, who's in charge of finances, who owns the company, everything. Um, Any regulatory bodies that they were a member of, so that could be I've got an m o j license fca authorization ico number um are they a member of dma absolutely anything that p- can be sort of used as a reason uh, for guidelines of trust i suppose you'll call it um if they were an agency or acting as a sort of um broker where we couldn't work with the lead generator directly because there's some agreement or in place, whatever, we get all the third party supplier details. We'd find out what sort of technology they were using. We used to ask them like absolutely everything. Then we'd go through websites, URLs that are using, any scripts, wording, example ads in verticals that we wanted to use, all the verticals that they operate within, um, different types of verification, what it meant, how it improves lead, what they were doing with the lead once they received it. whether it went through any third party after them. So for example, we'd find out stuff like people were generating leads, sending them to a call center in the Philippines. They were doing something in the Philippines. Sorry, it wasn't even a call center. It was some um, data cleansing or something. And literally people do this because they want to try and save 50p a thousand on leads. And we'd find out about this and be like, I got an issue with you sending someone's data off to the Philippines to then bring it back this is just like completely out of whack to save 50p per thousand leads i had a chat conversation the other day we'd find all this out dig all this information i'm looking at this document now um because i knew we were going to be talking about it um and it goes into absolutely everything now any sort of self-respecting lead generator has very very little difficulty answering all these questions like fairly easily when i was generating leads you send me this i'd fill it in within five minutes ten minutes maybe just bang it straight back um and so the number one thing is send out a due diligence document keep a file of it whether that's like an actual file and you print it out i don't recommend wasting paper <laughs> um you know put it in your uh, server on a, a Google doc or something, and you've always got it to refer to. So there's any ever issues, you know, you told me this, you authorised that all the information you gave me was X. And this isn't just to catch people out. This is just a record, you know, of everyone that you're working with. So number one is get a strong due diligence document, get all the information that you need, and it virtually eliminates 50% of the problems you're ever gonna have anyway because people struggle to fill it in that aren't telling the truth that are looking to rip you off that could be like you know um carrying out low-level deception buying weed somewhere else and selling you because the moment they've agreed to you know i confirm that i'm authorized to give all these responses and everything i'm saying is accurate and true it it takes it from something else to then cheat that um so get it get due diligence documents done number one thing
0: why i mean we're not ranking these but are we these aren't ranked these aren't in order but we'll no they're not the actually one. yeah it uh, was, it was i'm thinking of it in my
1: mind of, of like how i'd start working with a new lead generator oh, like lead chronologically makes sense. yeah yeah okay. so i'm I'm thinking of it in a sort of linear fashion that way i got
0: you okay nice number one done number two simple apis let's talk through
1: that <laughs> i mean where do i start so as you know um we, at Databall, we spend probably half our working days setting up APIs, delivering, you know, we do it for our clients generally, I've done it for, you know, ourselves in the past, but now it's virtually always for our clients. And the reason why I'm saying we, we do it for our clients is, 50% of the APIs that our clients deliver to, and this will be the same across the board, across the world, I'd imagine, are complicated as fuck APIs that no one understands you need a developer or a front-end developer to come in and like try and figure out what on earth is going on um you know when you have these like multi-auth level where you ping off to one api it sends back a secret key you have to get that secret key for each one i understand the reason for doing it all right like the security and you know trying to um control exactly where you're um, getting data from the problem comes when you want to work with multiple lead generators, which I would always suggest that you do, is that you then encounter this bottleneck with every single lead generator that you work with. And they're all just going to be the same. So if you get 20 lead generators or people selling leads and you've got this API, that's difficult, like a SOAP API or something else, every single one of them is going to complain about it, have trouble connecting to it, like it's going to be backwards and forwards constantly. I see this all day, every day. This isn't like something I'm not like incredibly well versed in. Um, so the way to mitigate this, and I'm not trying to sell Datable, but I'd love it if you did this. You know, you could use something else Zapier. It just becomes quite costly doing it that way. The way to get around this is you create a simpler API at the front end that can be delivered in, and then use that to deliver to the complicated API. And what that means is you only have to set this thing up once to one API that all your suppliers can then deliver into. So it's still carrying out all the authorization and whatever else it needs to. It just means that all the companies you're going to be working with have a much simpler and very secure. Let me add, it's not anything to do with security. This is just to do with simplicity, Um, a much easier way to feed leads in. Um, And I think it's like massively underrated how important that is. And the amount of time and energy technical resources and money that is wasted trying to connect to apis that people struggle to connect to and you know you we have those? people on like self-service licenses um it doesn't matter if it's managed right because it comes as part of the package that we give to people because we're like yeah we'll just set your apis up before you you know send us all the details if you're on a self-service package let me add you know this is the same whether you're using Zapier, Made, Integramat, whatever else, Datable. If you get one of these complicated APIs and you don't know exactly what you're doing, you're going to spend hours trying to figure out how to do it. And invariably, you're then going to have to go back and ask someone to do it. And you they will probably charge you an hourly fee to do it. Now, for us, it's like fairly simple one we've already connected to. But when there's a new one, um, you know, I, I just think that this issue can be sorted by just connecting a single simpler API at the front end and have the leads delivered in that way. And if you're a company that persistently buys leads, um, as in, that's the thing that fuels your company, it's not like a one-off campaign once, uh, one month out of a year, you, you know, simplicity is key. So uh, that's number two, simple API. I was
0: just gonna say, it's one of those things that, I can't think of example, I'm sure there's a brilliant one, that. But... Do you know when you sort of set up a job? If you do that a little, a little bit of more work at the start before you start doing the job, it will save you loads of time down the line. But sometimes, yeah, you, know, you don't. You just think I can't bother to do it because it's like a bit of upfront work. But it's like a false economy not to do it. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, exactly. Okay, number two, simple advice. Number three, what on the list? We've got we get sales ready. What do you mean by that?
1: So, <clears throat> it's an open secret that we all know whether we'll admit it or not. Roughly, on average, so some companies don't have this problem. About 35% of leads that most companies receive are either invalid, fraudulent, or out of spec. So getting it sales ready, uh, let's remove fraud and um, uh, invalid, it'd still be potential aspect, but what we're talking about is can you actually sell to this person? You know, are they a real person? Are they a real person that can actually be your customer? Like, you know, so when we speak to people and go, well, what's your conversion rates on leads? You bought, you know, you bought 100 leads, what's the percentage that you typically convert at? And they go 20%. Is it actually 20% or is it 35% of people that could actually be their customer? so getting sales ready means can you remove at every possible opportunity people that can't be your customer are you verifying the leads are you suppressing them against your current customer list are you suppressing them against the do not call list? are you deduping them against prospects that are currently in your sales pipeline or reacting on the fact that they've come back in um are they like in a criteria that you can actually sell to what that, that can mean like you know known criteria as in, oh, you know, I don't know, we can't sell to people who live in Scotland because there's some, I do difference. But is there another criteria that actually, if you started analysing your data, you'd be like, well, hold on. Not only we can't sell to anyone in Scotland, but I've noticed after analysing the last 10,000 sales that we did, that we also can't sell to anyone over 60. We think we can, but they're just not converting. The conversion mm-hmm. rates, you know, 20 percent of what the conversion rate of everyone else is we may as well try and pull that out so this is about getting sales ready and like implementing these rules on verification deduplication suppression condition sets data analysis. is that a word data analyzation data analysis <laughs> <laughs> data
0: analyzation um point three <laughs> point, point, <laughs> point four um, Point four on the list. What have we got? We've got. Written- I
1: won't call it analization. Call it. <laughs> <laughs> I've
0: written this as it said in capital letters in cap. What caps? Let's talk about caps.
1: Um, a real simple tool, massively underutilized. Um, and I think it benefits most companies that use it in two ways. So one is you've got a new supplier coming in, and you want to test the leads from them. So you know you're not going to be like just open the taps, keep them coming in. You can be like, depending on what your CPL is and what you'll agree. Let's say you agreed to buy 100 leads. You just want to be able to cap at 100 leads. So if we're talking about delivering via API, when they hit that 100 leads, and we're talking 100 accepted leads, that is. So they might deliver 120 leads gross to net down to 100 um, accepted leads. Um, and you want the API response to then make it clear that you're no longer accepting these leads that have gone over that cap. That's not to say that you're not going to sort of hold them in a, you know, suspended animation or in a quarantine function. So you might look at the leads they've been sending in and go, like, my God, the conversion rates of these leads are incredible. Open the taps, um, which I wouldn't necessarily recommend, but um, it's really simple. Being able to cap, and that cap needs to be like very granular so you need to be able to do it on the day so you might you know if you work Monday to Friday to the conversions of your leads and your sales department you're going be able to add the cap at 100 leads per day on Monday Tuesday Wednesday Thursday Friday or you might split the 100 over those days you then might want to add a condition set within the cap so actually you go well that cap only counts to people in Canada but in the USA we might have a different cap and then you want to be able to do it by the time of day as well, so if your sales operi- operation is only um, functioning between 9am and 5pm you want to add the cap within that um criteria. and there's a bunch of other stuff that you can add around it. Um, I don't think companies utilize it as much as they couldn't I don't necessarily think they realize how much control it actually gives you because you, you know you're like controlling the entire throughput from every single source that you're receiving, exactly how many leads are going to come in. And you're going to be doing that based on like the analysis of their conversion rates is ultimately how you use it. And what and what can happen is you can start to sort of predict a flat line of um, conversion rates by allowing leads in from different sources at different volumes, at potentially different times of day, at different days of week. Um, to create that flat line, which is what most sales operations want. They don't want like up and down like a bride's ninety. They just want like complete flat line. Yeah, it's
0: interesting. You, you say that um, we went to Legion World a couple of like, months so ago now, um, probably long ago, I remember, um, and obviously you talk to people, people come to your stand and um, I was talking about caps to someone. I don't know how it came up. And they asked me in only a way a marketer would, it just said to me, What's the benefit to me of this? And I think any marketers would speak at like this. So you're used to thinking this terms, and obviously put on to spot a little bit. And I was like, and you just you nailed it there. It's control but I think that is the ultimate thing mm. it gives you. It's that's me. I was like, it gives you control. And it was like, yeah, fair enough. <laughs> but that's, yeah, that's a, that's a concise way I think of summarising that is the control it brings you, like the benefit to that
1: feature. And that, and really important when you're working with new sources as well, and you want to you know make sure you don't get stung. So you know after this due diligence. Um, the API that we spoke about, uh, what was the other thing, Guess getting I the ready. lead sales ready, so applying all those rules, and then, you know, so that's already like massive control what you've managed to get already, and then you put a cap on that as well, and it's like, you know, you're really like rocking with the, the control that you now have.
0: Um do you know what, can, I, can I just interject and say, this is great for me because structurally, I'm all, we're, we're normally all over the shop. People listening will know that. we go everywhere. I've got my 10 points working through this. And it's like- You don't,
1: you don't know the 10th point yet. Well, I don't. I've just got a wild card surprise <laughs> room
0: <route> now. Um, <laughs> I don't have that. <laughs> um, point, point five, distribution. Yeah.
1: Um, so this is just delivering leads out, right? So again, it's sort of like the API that you're delivering to or however they're going out. Um I think a key thing uh number one is setting it up, right? So it really helps, like we were talking about being able to deliver to an API um that's simple because otherwise, you know, it gets complicated and people can't necessarily always do it or they need outside help or they're on a managed package, so That it won't be a problem. So you want to set that API up as almost one of the first things that you do when creating a new campaign. Or do you know when you're working, if uh Like it's going to a dialer or a crm everything else can wait the moment you get that set up you can actually test it make sure the leads are flowing through and what's great about this is when you bring a new source on board a new supplier or lead generator whoever it is you want to test the entire throughput i've seen it so many times where they test the lead coming into a system like datable or one system they're using or you know something else and what happens is it's not necessarily there's some some issue with it actually delivering somewhere else so they have to start running other tests or people will say right we've got it that'll mean it's all right um yeah. if you actually get the entire flow set up before you start doing tests it just like eliminates the speed that you can actually get live at um it it solves a lot of problems doing it that way and it's one of these things you won't appreciate until you realize not doing it, and you'll yeah. go, Shit, if only we'd have set that API up first and tested every s- source of leads through to the endpoint.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um, okay, what we got now feedback, we're on number six, six of ten. Feedback.
1: I mean, we've covered this a fair bit, I still don't see it enough. Uh, again, I was doing a demo of Data Ball yesterday, and one of the first things a guy said to me was, um, can I have it so that I don't push sales back to the lead generators? Um, so I said, uh, why? And he said, because they um, we have a four-year clawback on sales, that's oh, mental isn't it, Imagine having a four-year clawback on sales, <laughs> that's unheard that's of, but anyway, this box. is what he said. Um, so, like any time within four years you can have that like, commission taken away from you that you've, like generated sales for I, like I, it's a different world to me but um so he said my worry is that in six months they're going to sell it to someone else and we get a call back from us so anyway i said to him look well what you might want to do is just call things successful outcomes and that could be like appointments being booked could be sales and then no one knows potentially what they are and just feed that back but what this really comes down to is lead generators are only as good as the information that you send back to them because what they're going for is a lead because that's what you'll buy as a lead buyer if you feed back to them sales and say this is what we want leads to look like they start going after those And it's fairly simple to do because you need to put a commission behind it or a bonus behind it effectively. So you have a baseline CPL um, for the level of performance that you're willing to accept, whether that's the LTV lifetime value of the lead or the immediate sale, that's up to you to decide. Um, And then a performance kicker for everything beyond that. So if the CPL is £20 at a 15% conversion rate, if they're hitting a twenty percent conversion rate, the CPL just goes up. But you make this clear in a matrix like pricing schedule before you start receiving leads. So everybody's working to the same outcome. And all that happens is you create webhooks is the most ideal way, it's the most efficient, easiest way, which is basically any outcome that you want to send back just goes in a webhook, updates their system, and then what they do is adjust the media buying. So, if they're buying leads on Facebook, Google, native, whatever it is, it's all about audience targeting. So, they're going to, like, if they're not going to use the information, it's sort of pointless. What you'd hope, and you can agree with them, and again, you can do this with uh, due diligence documents, you could put it as a question in there. If we send you feedback of successful outcomes, are you going to use it to um, identify better target audiences so that you can actually create less leads? And get more sales, and we will pay you more for each lead because the conversion rates are higher. That's what feedback is all about, and it's all about looking at it really like a sales and marketing team working together to get the best outcome. That's the way lead generation should work.
0: I say we've we've done whole podcasts on this, and it's one of the things that um, many many guests have talked about on the show. So yeah, for sure we're kind of recovering ground, but I think it's definitely worth. Recovering. Um, I'm just looking at point seven, and I, I realize I've got a typo because it says Audi. Um, I assume that means audit, but <laughs> unless unless you just all about German cars today, but I'll, I'll go with audit.
1: Audit for an Audi. Um, if you want an R8. Um so I noticed another LinkedIn post that uh I think it was Luke Ashworth. Um who's from a company called advisor ai posted he's like heavily involved in the protection industry specifically life insurance and um talks about the sort of trials and tribulations and bad adverts and landing pages and people misselling and whatever else in there and so one of the things that he talks about and i've talked about like a bunch of other people is they The buyers of the leads, which let's say they're brokers, which are basically like sales teams for insurers, like a panel of insurers. For some reason, I have no idea why this happens. The suggestion seems to be that they're just sort of letting lead generators get away with doing what they want and buying leads off whoever they want, right? And the thing is, there's a... um, there's a term that I want to start using, which is bad lead buyers make bad lead generators. Which I think, uh, Mike, I need to make it a bit more succinct, maybe, but. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that wasn't the reaction you wanted. I was just thinking about it on a t-shirt.
0: But, on yeah, bad, li-
1: bad lead buyers make bad lead generators. I like it. Um, but this is the thing, right? So, his, his example is like wild mis selling potentially of someone going, Oh, look at my bank account. There's 250 grand or something in it. Didn't talk about people dying or the result, you know, whatever else it was around it. Now, we used to work with a client, actually, they're still a client um of Data. I just don't do these audits anymore. So, I used to get involved with the audit. So, it was almost like to get it up and running mm. every single month. They used to work with tens of lead generators. I can't remember how many. 30 maybe 40 um we used to do a a zoom call every single month and go through the adverts the landing pages how leads were generated we used to produce a pack that got sent to the client with every ad it'd have to get signed off so whenever they wanted to put something new out it had to get signed off this sounds like a ball ache. it was like one person's job at that company that i reckon max that includes checking stuff off from ads that were sent them checking any landing pages and wording and then once a month doing an audit call with each lead generator i would say max took three days a month but this went from i would say 40 40 probably maybe 50 percent of all the ads and landing pages and whatever whether other uh, uh, assets and images and copy they were using right at the beginning, 40, 50% was getting rejected by the client with them saying, You can't put that bullshit. That's just nonsense. That's not what we do. That's mis selling. That goes against X. You can't do Y, blah, blah, blah. Within two months, three months, that had gone down to less than 5%. And they created a framework, i.e. a document that had do's and don'ts, almost like a branding document but imagine mm. it was just around like misselling and terminology and ways to think about it as a result of this process that went out to anyone new they worked with and because they did that it the audits with anyone new weren't like 40 50 um you know rejections of like copy and whatever else again that was five percent so this thing of auditing if you're in a if you're buying leads and you are in an industry which virtually everybody is. Let's say so whether it's broadband, you know, you've got the ASA, I'm sure there's some other stuff that you, uh, you know, the ICO I they have broadband specific like regulatory body, you know, mobile phones, same sort of thing, energy, you've got like Ofcom, Ofgem, anything financial services, you have the FCA, other stuff that you might have the MOJ, all these like bodies that control what you can put, what you can have, what is mis-selling, what's good, what's bad, whatever. You just need to fucking audit it. It's literally like, I just don't understand. So I put on that, I cannot understand why these companies aren't doing this. And what needs to happen in the example that Luke Ashworth raised, in my opinion, someone else might have a better idea, he might have a better idea, is every month the broker who is buying the leads audits the lead generators that are generating them with a framework that they've created, what's good, what's bad, do this, don't do that, goes through them they sign them off, say that's okay, whatever. And then the insurer um, who the broker is selling for audits the uh, the broker and all the audit for the, the insurer to the broker needs to be, send me that document with all the ads and whatever else in, because they've already got it all. Mm-hmm. And so whatever like industry you're in, um, whatever framework you're gonna create, if you're buying leads, and you were worried about the ads that are being used the wording the terminology mis-selling whatever else just audit the lead generation process that's all you have to do and it, it's one person's job it doesn't take a huge amount of time and do you know what else it does it's like the massive benefit from this in fact it's even bigger than what we've just been talking about in terms of like getting rid of bad ads you start to act far more like a sales and marketing department, because what will happen is the buyer of the leads, let's say it's a brand, starts looking at the messaging that the lead generator is using either on ads or on their landing pages or um, whatever else. And they start to come up with suggestions that are more aligned to what they're actually selling and the terminology and the wording that they use. And that reduces friction for the lead coming in, is better for the consumer. And it's much more aligned with what the actual product is. Um, like there's zero downsides to doing this, right?
0: Zero downsides that's a good uh, good summary to point seven. Order. <laughs> that's a strong benefit, yeah. Um, number eight, I've got deception. I'm going to assume this means preventing against deception. Yeah, you know, I give people tips on how to be deceptive. Um, but yeah, what, what do we mean?
1: Okay, so we're not talking when we're talking about getting sales ready leads there's a difference with deception because sales ready is about like removing shit that you can identify right the thing is we've done a podcast in this before and we called it low level deception and that's exactly what it is so this is real people coming through as real leads they will pass every verification every suppression any other rule that you put in place there's two things typically that happen with low level deception one it's not from whence you think it is it's not from where you think it's i don't know why i broke into medieval <laughs> oh, <English. speaker. laughs> yeah. um and two it's not necessarily generated when you think it is so let's imagine number one not generated where you think it is it's just someone else's landing page it's that due diligence document you got at the beginning where they said oh we generate leads on x y and z this not on one of those it's from somewhere else they've bought it in because they can't hit the volume or whatever else you want to buy and they want to do it from them but to you it's got a badge on that's generated by them um and the second thing is i collected a lead last night at midnight because the costs are a lot lower buying traffic at that time but i'm going to send it you at 10 a.m in the morning and pretend i've just generated it those two things are the most typical things behind low-level deception um now, contact state, which is Alan Desmir and Mike Lamming's technology is great for catching um, low-level deception because it's that bit of JavaScript, sits on the lead generator's page, uh, it comes in and they match it with a code that you generate for the lead, and then they go, yes, they can sort of see when it was created. So that's one solution to it, right? It's like low-level deception sort of, if you're buying landing page leads, Great way to do it another way is um and i've done this and it just kills it dead if you ask for the value of the date and time the lead was generated on the lead and the landing page as in the url if it is different to what they're sending you it means someone's had to go in and manually change it and now that takes it from like low level deception to like a fraud and so no one wants to be caught doing that um so it kills most of it dead i mean you will get the old person you know trying to look but i I promise you one thing if you're going through that due diligence document you're running monthly audits you're doing all the shit that we were talking about correcting uh collecting bad leads people will be worried about doing that to you because they suspect that you'll be able to catch them. So, you know, put, ask for date and time the lead was generated as a value, ask for the URL it came from. Um, you can even ask for the term and conditions links, whatever you want. Um, it just makes it a lot less likely uh, to happen. So, this is a, a good way to catch um, low level deception.
0: Yeah, and like I said, we do have. I don't know what number of episode it is, but there's a blog on this specifically where we go into a lot more depth. So, you know, if you've not heard it, check that one out and you want, you know, yeah. worry about that. Um, I feel the anticipation rises as we get towards your secret secret last. By the
1: way, it's it's not a, don't get <laughs> no, too excited. It, it's not build spunk- it up and let
0: it, let it fall sure.
1: It's not a spunky on the carpet moment. It's um it's just like, oh, well, that's simple, but I don't see anyone do it. So, no, do
0: you know I'm going to build it up like so. You fall flat when like throughout the station. <laughs> um, before we get to that, we've got number nine trap at a granular level.
1: So, this is just like, I don't know why everyone isn't doing this. I don't, I hardly see anyone doing this. If I was starting buying leads like I um you I used to do this, but if I was starting doing it again for a company, I'd love to go in and do this. So I could go like check this out. If you can get every single bit of information tracked, what ad the lead came from? So there could be a value on the lead, or you can create categories and stuff like that to track it. What landing page it came from, um, what advertorial it came from what subsource it came from if you're using affiliates or an agency or something um, every single granular moment that makes up that lead like the origination of it and track that back to outcomes you will see rich veins of performance well in two ways one is stuff that you think is shit and doesn't work you'll suddenly go actually it does work but only if these two things happen I.e., it comes from this subsource or this landing page or this ad or this email is used so there's no point turning off the whole channel we need need to turn off all the other crap that sent us but keep these two things live and the other thing is you'll the sources that are working you'll go these sources are great but i've suddenly realized that 80 percent of the sales coming if these three criteria matched this keyword this ad this landing page and they only make up like 20 percent of the whole it's just they're massively over indexing on the sales so what this is about is like removing the stuff that doesn't work and optimizing the stuff that does this comes this feeds really well into the feedback point as well with the lead generator because if you can feed this information back they start improving and creating iterations of the stuff that works rather than assuming it all works or it all doesn't work. Um and I just think that this is one of the like biggest areas that lead buyers need to focus on.
0: You said there you not enough people are doing it. You don't think as many people are as should be. I don't know what percentage it is. And as you said that I wrote down three reasons why I think people might not be doing it. Um, that you know, seem obvious to me Um, one is they're lazy can't bother to do it it's possible two is they don't think it's that important for whatever reason they don't think they need to be doing it or three they're unable to actually do it they know they should they want to but they just find it difficult of those three what do you think is most common
1: what was the first one again
0: can't be asked can't be asked to do it it's too lazy I don't yeah think that's i think it's
1: i think it's probably a combination of all three and maybe um, 0.3. I think what happens is there'll be, there might be kickback, right? So lead generator so it might say I'm not passing that. Like why? I, I, I can't tell you like the amount of conversations I've had with clients and stuff when they go, oh no, X won't do Y. X won't feed into Y like why it's like a system uh, thing you mean it could be systems it can be they just don't want to do it because they don't want to get caught but again audits due diligence just eradicates this shit anyway but um there can be kickback people don't want to do it and they'll be like well it's my ad it's my landing page you know i don't need to share with you i would be like well i'm not fucking buying leads off you then mm. um you know just like be quite sort of strong about it it's, remember this isn't because lead buyers are any better than lead generators, This is because this needs a real genuine partnership if you're going to make lead generation work together, right. Um, so I think there can be kickbacks, can't be asked, yeah, like, if you can just go, oh, well, you know, leads from x and y work, and we'll just forget about everything else. Yeah, the element of laziness. Um, can't figure out how to do it. Probably a big one as well. Yeah, like, just can't, you know, can't see that it's basically it's like anything once you set it up it just like happens it's all about putting working at the front end to make sure that you get like massive outcomes at the back end
0: like we're saying the API stuff that's a common theme
1: yeah um but I I mean I think that lead buying needs to be treated almost as like a profession I think We've talked about like the granular things of why that might be happening, but I think there's something above that, like an overarching reason, which is I don't think the buying of leads is almost seen like a job. Um, I think it's seen as just like, it's a bit like filling your car with petrol. You know, like it doesn't matter whether you or your partner do it, as long as, long as it sort of gets done. It's like, you know, um, X can do it, Y can do it, whatever when in reality and we touched on this in another podcast the amount of money that either can be made or saved buying leads is potentially fucking huge mm. so i treat it like a fucking profession if i were you
0: that links into as well the idea we had it who we spoke to but maybe michael and um, Faree. we talked about how in america actually and they are potentially ahead of us slightly. this you know i think it's okay to say that it is maybe seen more as a profession there because of it. and perhaps in the uk europe will slowly start to see that creep in the lead buyer becomes a job you
1: know we have to look at is brokers how do brokers exist they're a lead buyer right mm. and they buy from lead generators they take it in the middle i'm sure that you know most of them add value i'm sure good ones add values so they're doing something that benefits you as a client worker but you've got to remember these people are running a company from doing this. Like, you're not going to run a company typically unless you're like making a decent amount of money, or you've got like a massive passion for it. Um, now, most lead brokers I know, I mean, they've got a passion for it, right? It's like they're they've chosen it as their career. But I also know they make a fuckload of money. Um, so, if you're a lead buyer, this is the opportunity. You like you work either work for an organization. You've got the opportunity to make or save the organization a ton of cash. Put your bonuses on that. I could save you a quarter of a million pounds a year on, you know, whatever. Treat it like a profession. That's what the guys that, you know, that's what I do. I mean, you know, I ended up being uh, building software and, you know, or not just me, I mean, or us as Datable, you know, we start off as lead buyers. Like, I, I know what this is about. This is like, you know, again, like a, to uh, at the top of the show, I've bought over a billion leads. I would suspect, well over. I'd love to know, but um, I think it'd help massively, and that feeds really nicely into point number ten.
0: Wait, before we get to point oh. ten, I've just, I've just, um, I've just got this drum roll sample that I'm going to play. I'm oh, not really, don't
1: worry. I, I should just do it like that. <laughs> just,
0: just imagine me doing a drum roll for for Simon's point. So this didn't, this didn't make the LinkedIn list. I don't know why did it make, why did he make the list. Is there um, a reason why
1: I, I just thought of it after I'd already read <laughs> <it. laughs> Did it make the list? So,
0: yeah, this is fresh new content. Um, 10 ways to level up your lead buying. What's the 10th way, Simon?
1: So, if I was lead buying either at an organization or as part of an agency, I would change my LinkedIn profile to I buy leads for whatever company I work for, you know, reassured life insurance or x agency now number one there's two reasons i think that doesn't happen one what we've just spoken about it's not your profession It's probably like sales director or sales operations operations manager or dialer manager or marketing department you know never know what the job title will be um but you know who's who's in charge of this who's the person that like ultimately will decide whether you're going to pay that lead generator or that agency or whoever's going to send you data some money to get leads from them change your linkedin profile to i buy leads for and the second thing is you are now about to get inundated with thousands of people who are just going to piss you off and talk shit, and just you know 90 of them you're not going to want to deal with hear from or anything else but this goes right back up to the first point we made due diligence document send that to every single one of them hmm. and all yeah, that yeah, happens yeah. is i've done this right i just you know just go well, that's a pile of shit that's a pile of shit that's a pile of shit and then two in every ten it might be three in every ten i don't know it depends it can be different um you will spot gems you'll spot people you can work with but you're gonna have a portfolio of companies a huge portfolio of companies who will now potentially send leads to you
0: that's a good that's a good tip i'll tell i said you know i wasn't expecting it for but that's actually what's good about that is people listening to this can literally go and do that right now they don't need any systems they do anything <laughs> they just need to put it in so if yeah. you're listening test that i would even commit like a i don't know like a like a multi-stage form or something that you just literally create People say I want to buy sell your leads. You literally send it to them, and then it just qualifies it. And then the ones that come through, they're really good.
1: You know what I'd do is because all the messages are going to come on LinkedIn, right? Like, um, you can automate a LinkedIn um, response when people send you emails. I'd create type form due diligence thing because you can upload documents yeah. and whatever else in there. I've actually got one. Anyone wants one, get in contact. i probably try and sell you data, but I'll send you the uh... name no, joking. <laughs> but. Um yeah it automate it just sends that due diligence document and then that feeds into um wherever you want that you could put it into a google sheets uh so you know you create a tab for each one or something uh and then you can just go through look at the answers decide whether you know what country are they in how do they generate leads what are the urls they've given have i heard of them before um can i check any of the numbers that they've put in whatever you want and this is a great way you know once you know all the regulatory bodies and like you know previous clients could ask anything um it's r- like really easy to sift through who you will work with and who you won't and then you end up with like the old wildcard one as well you know where you will look at it look back and think well you know maybe we should give jim smith a chance you know whatever
0: it's just like it's just a film of qualification like we talked about in lead generation in general you know you make sure people are coming in um as qualified as possible saves you time Mm-hmm. not money in this instance but yeah you get the theory um nice that was episode 67 10 ways to level up your lead buying thanks for listening to the BTC lead generation podcast be sure to hit subscribe to hear more from those at the very cutting edge of the lead general world